0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Talk show Recorded live.
3: Hi, and welcome to Nigerian Community Call. Uh, this call is about the American Psychological Association okay, and their Secret work in within the Bush administration to basically change the um, definition on torture, so that it will allow those within the Bush administration, those within the CIA and the NSA, to uh, torture individual and get away with it. Okay, so this is the video. is called um, again. Email shows American Psychological Association secret League work. Within the Bush
4: administration, uh, from Democracy Now. For
1: for for New details have emerged on how the American Psychological Association, the world's largest group of psychologists, aided government-sanctioned torture under President George W. Bush. A group of dissident psychologists have just published a 60-page report alleging the APA secretly coordinated with officials from the CIA, White House, and the Pentagon to change the APA ethics policy to align it with the operational needs of the CIA's torture program. The report also reveals a behavioral science researcher working for President Bush secretly drafted language that the APA inserted into its ethics policy on interrogation. Much of the report is based on hundreds of newly released internal APA emails from 2003 to 2006 that show top officials were in direct communication with the CIA. In 2004, for example, the APA secretly took part in a meeting with officials from the CIA and other intelligence agencies to discuss ethics and national security. In one email, the APA stated that the aim of the meeting was, quote, to take a forward-looking, positive approach in which we convey a sensitivity to and appreciation of the important work mental health professionals are doing in the national security arena and in a supportive way offer our assistance in helping them navigate through thorny ethical dilemmas, unquote. One attendee was Kirk Hubbard then the Chief of Operations for the CIA Operational Assessment Division. He would later leave the CIA to work for the private firm set up by James Mitchell and Bruce Jessen, the psychologists who were hired as private contractors to set up the CIA interrogation program, including the waterboarding of prisoners. In one 2003 email, Hubbard wrote to a top APA official, quote, you won't get any feedback from Dr. James Mitchell or Jessen. They're doing special things to special people and special places and generally are not available, unquote. While the APA has attempted to distance itself from Mitchell and Jessen, the newly disclosed email show the men attended a 2003 invite-only conference called the Science of Deception, sponsored by the APA, the CIA, and RAND Corporation to discuss so-called enhanced interrogations. We're joined now by two of the co-authors of the new report, All the president's Psychologists the American Psychological Association's secret complicity with the White House and U.S. intelligence community in support of the CIA's Enhanced Interrogation Program. Stephen Reisner is clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst. He's a founding member of the Coalition for an Ethical Psychology and advisor on psychology and ethics for physicians for human rights. He's currently a member of the APA Council of Representatives. Nathaniel Raymond is director of the signal program on human security and technology at the Harvard Humanitarian Initiative. We did invite a representative from the APA to join us as well, but they declined. Last year, the APA commissioned an outside attorney named David Hoffman to conduct a third-party independent review of the allegations about the APA and the Bush administration torture program. Rhea Farberman, the APA's executive director for public and member communications, told Democracy Now! the APA won't respond to the allegations in the all The President's Psychologist report until Hoffman's review is completed. Stephen Reisner and Nathaniel Raymond, welcome back to Democracy Now! Okay, Nathaniel Raymond, why don't you lay out the core findings in your
5: 60-page report? There are four core findings. Uh, The first is that the American Psychological Association allowed, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Susan Brandon, it appears, who three weeks before the APA engaged in its ethics process in 2005, on Psychological Ethics and National Security had been President Bush's Behavioral Science Advisor. Um, She wrote what appears to be research language in the Penn's report, the Psychological Ethics and National Security Policy of the APA. That language we now know because of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence report directly aligns with the legal memos authorizing the enhanced interrogation program and provided an ethical get-out-of-jail-free card that aligned with the then classified legal get-out-of-jail-free card. Secondly, we see clear deception by the APA, including some outright lies, including the assertion for many years that James Mitchell, the CIA Torture psychologist you mentioned had not been an APA member. We now know he was an APA member from 2001 to 2006, and the APA has also contended, according to Dr. Stephen Benke, the ethics director, that they had had no contact on interrogations and interrogation techniques with Mitchell and Jessen. We now know that they discussed sensory overload, and the use of psychopharmacological agents with Mitchell and Jessen in 2003. The last two critical findings, Amy, are that the APA, as we see throughout the emails, expressed no concern about clear evidence of abuse that at that point, between 2004 and 2005, was public knowledge. And lastly, uh, what we see in this report is a clear coordination that directly mirrors the timeline inside the Bush administration when Office of Medical Services personnel inside the CIA were raising concerns about human subjects research as part of the program. Uh, The APA, whether they knew it or not, allowed the administration to write a policy that basically helped put down that rebellion inside CIA. How? By allowing psychologists to play a critical monitoring and research role. That was at the heart of the newly, then newly authorized Bradbury Office of Legal Counsel memo. If psychologists couldn't ethically play this role, if the APA had not engaged in this policy,
4: it is highly likely that the interrogation program itself would have disintegrated. You, run,
1: um Stephen Reisner, for president of the American Psychological Association. Your main platform um, was speaking out against torture and APA's involvement with the Bush administration. You didn't win. Um, talk about what this means for the American Psychological Association.
2: Well, I think the issue is what this means for the entire profession of psychologists, and the fact that we are represented by the American Psychological Association. Because I think that what we're finding is that psychologists are feeling betrayed by our association. What has happened is that the ethics code that we are all trained in, that we align ourselves with, and that gives us our identity as uh, health professionals uh, dedicated to the public good, that ethics code and ethics policy was uh, twisted to align, not only to align with what the government needed it to do, but in the service of torture. It is a betrayal of uh, what I think we all are expecting from and try to identify with from our associations. So what, what has to happen right now is that we've got to the membership, the council, any concerned American has to insist that we reclaim our association, put it back on an ethical track, and uh, find a way to expose this, be accountable for it, be transparent about it, and make significant change so that we can restore trust.
1: We're going to go into detail on what the APA knew and when they knew it with Dr. Stephen Reisner and Nathaniel Raymond, co-authors of the new report all the president's psychologists in a minute. understand it by Elvis Costello here on Democracy Now, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. We're talking about a new report that has just come out on the American Psychological Association's involvement with the Bush administration's so-called Enhanced Interrogation Program. In 2005, Stephen Banki, the Director of Ethics at the American Psychological Association, then and now, appeared on Democracy
0: Now. I don't have first-hand knowledge of what went on at Guantanamo. I know that the APA very much wants the facts, and that when APA has the facts, we will act on those facts.
1: Stephen Benke appeared on the show in a debate with Michael Wilkes, chair of the Medical Ethics Committee at the British Medical Association. Dr. Benke went on to defend the APA's action
0: In all fairness. The American Psychological Association is very clear that under no circumstances uh, is it uh, in any manner permissible for a psychologist to engage in, to support, to facilitate, to direct, or to advise torture or other cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment. The American Psychological Association and the American Psychiatric Association uh, issued a joint statement. Uh, against uh, torture and cruel inhuman or degrading treatment in 1985. In 1986, the American Psychological Association issued another resolution uh, against torture. So uh, to even suggest that that would in any manner be permissible is uh, completely uh, out of bounds. Might I ask a a direct question because I'm really interested to know
5: Could I ask why the APA's presidential report then specifically recommends that psychologists should be involved in research into interrogation techniques?
0: Well, uh, as I have, uh, as I've said, psychologists have been working together with law enforcement for many years uh, domestically in information gathering and interrogation processes. We believe that as experts in human behavior, psychologists have valuable contributions to make uh, to those activities.
1: That's Dr. Stephen Benke on Democracy Now! in 2005. Our guests now are Dr. Stephen Reisner, a member of the American Psychological Association, and Nathaniel Raymond. They both co-authored the new report, All the President's Psychologists. Nathan Raymond, Nathaniel Raymond, can you respond to what Dr. Benke said?
5: Well, what we now know by reading the American Psychological Association's emails is that Dr. Benke's assertion in 2005 of bring us the facts and uh, we will respond directly contradicts his own words to the Operational Assessment Division of the Central Intelligence Agency in 2004, where he basically says we are not going to investigate in the context of the secret meeting they had um, almost to the uh, basically uh, to the day that the White House was reauthorizing the enhanced interrogation program, we're not going to investigate any claims of abuse or any charges made at that meeting. Um, that directly contradicts what he said on Democracy Now! Uh, second is his continued assertion that somehow the American Psychiatric Association which endorsed in 2006 a clear ban on participation in all interrogations, direct participation by psychiatrists is analogous to the APA position um, is entirely specious. The fact of the matter is, is the American Psychological Association position in that pens report that we now know is the direct result of coordination with the intelligence community and in some cases elements of that community writing language in the report critical research language um is it, it is entirely different to look at the APA position in the American Psychological Association position for one reason. The American Psychological Association based its policy on U.S. definitions of torture at that time, which we now know from the declassified Office of Legal Counsel memos had an entirely different view of what constituted, quote, torture and what constituted cruel and human degrading treatment. So saying that those positions are the same is just not the facts. Explain what changed. What changed is, there is two periods of change. The first is immediately after 9-11. We have evidence in the public record that the American Psychological Association changed a large portion of its ethics code related to research. And basically it wrote out international and domestic protections on consent for human subjects research. Um, We know by different names some of those protections, such as the Nuremberg Code and the Common Rule. They allowed for the revocation of consent when consistent with a lawful order or regulation. That then combined with the second set of changes, which is the 2005 uh, PENS report, the Psychological Ethics and National Security Task Force report, then not only allows but uh, exhorts psychologists to have a research role in not only interrogations, but this is the key sentence, Amy, in determining what constitutes cruel and human degrading treatment. Now, last time I checked, psychologists were not lawyers. This is outside the professional competency of psychologists to make a legal determination based on research. The question is, why were they being asked to do that? In language that we now know from the emails appears to have been written by a White House, former White House official. The fact of the matter is that's exactly what the Bradbury memos that were then protecting the Bush administration from potential torture charges required, and that's exactly the concern that was being raised by the Office of the Inspector General internally at CIA, we now know from the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. So that one sentence about research into what constitutes cruel and human degrading treatment positions psychologists
2: to be the legal heat shield for the
1: President
2: of the United States. Dr. Reisner. Well, <clears throat> we listened to Dr. Benke say that the APA is opposed to torture, cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment at the very moment when they are writing into our ethics code a policy that permits psychologists' very presence at those sites, researching, overseeing, and monitoring, that the psychologist being there is what makes it fall outside the definition of torture, cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment conducted by the Justice Department in order to uh, legally allow the torture. So what we have is a working together Between the psychologists, the American Psychological Association, the CIA, and the White House, to create a cover story that says that torture is not torture, that it's not legally torture under these rules. And while Dr. Benke is claiming that psychologists don't torture, psychologists are, in fact, torturing, and the APA seems to know it according to these emails and according to what was in the press. But the, so what he's doing is he's, he's parsing the facts and funneling it through a, a, a bent and distorted APA ethics code that has been changed simply to allow that program to continue.
1: I want to read another one of the newly disclosed emails. This is from Dr. Jeff Mumford, Director of uh, Science Policy at the APA, to CIA psychologist Dr. Kirk Hubbard, who was then Chief of Operations for the CIA Operational Assessment Division. Dr. Mumford writes, quote, I thought you and many of those copied here would be interested to know that APA grabbed the bull by the horns and released this Psychological Ethics and National Security Task Force report today, the Bennett Task Force. I also wanted to semi-publicly acknowledge your personal contribution in getting this effort off the ground over a year ago. Your views were well represented by very carefully selected task force members. In another email, From 2005. The APA's Dr. Jeff Mumford admitted former White House advisor Susan Brandon, who was then at the National Institute of Mental Health, helped craft language for the Penn's report. Mumford wrote, quote, Susan, serving as an observer, note she has returned to NIMH, at least temporarily, helped craft some language related to research, and I hope we can take advantage of the reorganization of the National Intelligence Program with its new emphasis on human intelligence to find a welcoming home for more psychological science. Okay, Nathaniel Raymond, talk about who Mumford is, Uh, talk about um, uh, also the significance of um, the Susan they are referring to, Susan Brandon, and her position today.
5: Well, Jeff Mumford then and now uh, was executive director and is executive director of science policy at the American Psychological Association. And while he is one of the most prominent officials in these emails, I want to make clear he's not the only one. Um, we also see Raya Farberman the uh, spokeswoman who uh, denied any coordination between the APA and uh, the Bush administration in James Risen's New York Times story. We see Steve Steve Bankey, and we also see, and this is new to our report, that the deputy CEO, Michael Honecker, deputy CEO of APA, was also CC'd on one of the emails about the secret 2004 meeting. Um, Dr. Brandon then, Um, was as you described at NIMH. She served in a variety of roles at the National Institutes of Mental Health and she served in a variety of roles in the Department of Defense and elsewhere, but she also had been during the time of the planning of the 2003 conference that Mitchell and Justin attended um, an APA employee
4: previously. Um, Now, Okay, so the um call got dropped and um you know, it happens uh at the two hour block. So you have to excuse me if you continue on with the uh video. in the U.S. government um, and
5: thus the, the high-value interrogation group which advises the National Security Council at the White House um, is the leading interrogation group in the intelligence community. Um, what we've seen she's is
4: the, she's, she's it now. It
5: right now and, uh, and I think that's something that's been missed in the coverage so far is that this is not just about what happened five years ago it is about a currently serving Obama administration official and I, I want to say that Mark Fallon, um, the former assistant deputy director of the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, uh, came NCIS. out. Uh, NCIS came out a few days ago um, calling for an independent prosecutor in these matters, including the issues raised in our report. He is serving as chair of an advisory group to the high-value interrogation group. So I want to make a, a point here that um, we have master interrogators, people who are affiliated with the current interrogation group um, who are raising real concerns about the allegations in our report and are saying, this isn't old news. This has direct implications for accountability um, on these matters involving, in this case, a current administration official.
1: In 2007, psychologist Jean-Marie Arrigo stood on the dais before a standing room only crowd at the annual American Psychological Association meeting in uh, California. This came two years after she participated in an APA panel known as the Penns Task Force that we've referred to today that concluded psychologists working in interrogations play a, quote, valuable and ethical role. Dr. Arrigo criticized the findings and makeup of the panel she was on. She was 10
4: members are private in the Department of Defense, as contractors
1: and military officers. For of example, one was the commander of all military psychologists. Their positions on the two key items of controversy in the PEN's report were predetermined
4: by their DoD employment, despite the imperative and bill of sum. These key items were a the permitted definition of torture in U.S. law versus the strict definition in international law, and second, of participation of military psychologists in interrogation settings.
1: Uh, versus that was Dr. Jean Arrigo. talk about the significance of what she was saying. And democracy now is there covering these meetings as um, as the APA even tried to cut down public access to the public uh, parts of the meeting, uh, but Dr. Steve Reisner, she served on the Penance committee.
2: That's right. She served, believing that it was a committee that of of interested and knowledgeable psychologists to actually uh, review ethics policy and national security. <clears throat> what she found was that the uh, task force seemed to have a predetermined agenda. That the members of the task force were involved in the very uh, in the very commands that were implicated in the abuse, and that the majority of the conclusions seem to have already been drawn before they, they began. They were, they were, it was a guided uh, operation.
4: She
1: attempted to take notes
2: during the meeting, is that right? That's right, and she was asked uh, not to, which is, is totally bizarre for a meeting that is trying to generate a new policy. She was taking notes. She was participating as if it was a, a, a regular meeting. It turned out that the meeting was a meeting of, as the emails reveal, carefully selected members, and that email was to Kirk Hubbard. The members were carefully selected in order, it seems, to guarantee what the CIA and the White House needed from that meeting, and that's what Jean Maria uh, realized and what she's talking about in that, uh, on that panel.
1: She talked about having a meeting for a few hours and then being handed the resolution of the committee That's right. before she had even weighed in.
2: That's right. They, they, the drafts came fast and furious. This meeting lasted two and a half days. And then the very final draft, where they added the piece on research, that came between the end of the meeting and I would, and just a, you know, tw- Twelve twenty-four hours later, uh, the final rewritten version was sent to the members for them to just give their okay. It was whirlwind. They were told that this had to go to the Pentagon. It had to go to the White House. It was there was a, it was hurried, and uh, there was very little room for critique. And
1: Nathaniel Raymond, who do we now know
5: wrote these drafts?
2: Well,
5: we know from of Penn's listserv uh, and from uh, Jean Marie Arrigo herself and others that uh, Dr. Stephen Benke was responsible for being the uh, keeper of the draft and uh, during lunch breaks and in the evenings um, wrote the language in the report, but that's not the whole story from what we see in the emails, as you mentioned, Dr. Brandon's avowed role by Dr. Mumford in the research piece um, raises the broader question of who were the observers in the room and how did they get there? Uh, What we see from the Penn's listserv, the listserv of this task force that jean Maria Arrigo um, has uh, helped uh, the world to see, um, that listserv um, shows that Dr. Gerald Kucher and Dr. Barry Anton. Um, who is the current president right now of the APA, uh, was responsible for approving the observers in the room. We now know that one of those observers was a senior administration official um, who had never, and still now, never been publicly acknowledged by the APA as having been in the room. So it's not just who was writing the report, who was Dr. Benke. It was who put those other people secretly in the room. And we now know it was uh, Drs. Anton and Kutcher, according to the list. Why were
1: psychologists so important to this whole process? I mean, what was happening with the psychiatrists of the United States? What was happening with other physicians?
5: This is where it can get complicated sometimes, and I want to try to express this as as clearly as possible. Um, In the enhanced interrogation program, you had two roles for health professionals, and these roles were conjoint. Role one was actually designing and implementing the tactics, Um, and that's what James Mitchell and Bruce Jessen did. The second role is this monitoring and indemnification role to say that we have not crossed this threshold of severe and long-lasting harm. Now, that role changes throughout the program. It begins with U-BYB making sure that a line hasn't been crossed. But by the time we get by
1: being, to, now being a federal judge, explain his role.
5: He was uh, assistant uh, attorney general uh, for uh, the Office of Legal oh. Counsel, and uh, uh, John U worked for him um, a, in that office, and he was responsible for primarily crafting the first torture memo. At University of California, Berkeley, long yes, uh, all and now. Um, we move forward in time. And so what we can see in these emails is that at the time, the APA was really working hard. It's an engine was going overdrive on these issues between 2004 and 2005 in direct contact with the CIA. You have another process going on, which is the creation of that new legal authorization that we now know George Tenet asked for upon his resignation. And that's what we call the Bradbury memo. In that memo, there is a significantly changed role for this second group of health professionals, putting Mitchell and Jessen aside, the monitors, the researchers. And it moves from them determining whether you cross the line to determining the line. And to determine the line, that required research, and so we see in the Bradbury memos very clearly, as we documented in the Physicians Human Rights Report, Experiments in Torture in 2010, is that they were having to look at the effect of the tactics to the whole detaining population over years and determine what the line was, because there was no clinical literature on
1: Last December, psychologist
5: James Mitchell, who
1: was contracted by the CIA to design its interrogation program, appeared on Fox News to talk about his role in the waterboarding of Abu Zubaydah. He was interviewed by Megan Kelly.
6: Zubaydah shut down. And they asked me to come back to the uh, campus. And it was clear to me when I was at the campus, listening to what people were saying, that there was so much pressure about trying to head off this second wave that was coming that they were going to use some kind of physical coercion. And so I, uh, I've been spent a lot of time in the Air Force School, and I see what happens when people sort of make stuff up on the fly. And in the course of the conversations, I said, if you're going to use physical coercion, not that you should use physical coercion, but if you're going to use physical coercion, then you, can, you should use physical coercion that has been demonstrated over 50 years not to produce the kinds of injuries we would like to avoid.
0: Okay. So you,
1: were you the one actually conducting the techniques on Abu Zubaydah, or were you in more of a sort of background role?
6: It depends on when you're talking about. Initially, I was in a background role, then after we shut down, and the uh, – uh, enhanced interrogations were approved, I, I was in an administration
1: role. I, okay, so d- did you personally waterboard him? Yes. We're going to get to Khalid Sheikh Mohammed in a minute, but but sticking with Abu Zubaydah for now, were all of the methods that were cited in, in the Senate uh, report employed, like nudity, standing sleep deprivation, the attention grab, the insult slap, were those all used?
6: The ones you mentioned were used.
1: The the facial grab, the abdominal slap, the kneeling stress position, walling.
6: Walling was used. Uh, the others, they, whatever, if, they are, if they showed up on the list, they they were used. We didn't typically use a lot of those stress positions. We didn't use any stress positions with his veda because he had an injury.
1: That psychologist James Mitchell who was in the APA from 2001 to 2006 admitting on Fox News that he waterboarded um, Abu Zubaydah, the prisoner. Um, Dr. Steve Reisner, we are wrapping up right now. Your response uh, to
2: Mitchell? Well, this was this is chilling to listen to the description of a psychologist dedicated to the public good and individual well-being uh, talking about destroying uh, prisoners' mind and body. and. It was, it was chilling to the medical professionals in the CIA who were pushing back. It was chilling to the inspector general who was pushing back. The program was shut down. And just at that moment when the program was shut down, the uh, Office of Legal Counsel, the White House, and some members of the CIA and the American Psychological Association appear to have all worked together to revive that program and to find the rationale for psychologists to be able to help that program continue. So what
1: are you looking for now? What is the next step that's taking place right now with the American Psychological Association?
5: Well, as we heard from uh, Senator Feinstein, um, when James Risen's article came out last week, um, there's clear congressional interest in what happens next. And uh, she uh, said in her statement that she is looking forward to the results of the Hoffman investigation, the independent review of alleged collusion. Is, is
1: this independent? They've, they've, he has been hired by the American Psychological
5: yes. Association. That, that it is called by the APA, the independent review. Uh, Dr. Reisner and I and our co-authors have uh, met Extensively with David Hoffman, and obviously uh, the proof will be in the pudding when the report is released. But. Right now, the next step... Did the APA say they will release the report? Well, this is a big issue, Amy, is the APA has said that the board will review it, and after it reviews it, will release it. And as we've been calling for, they need to release it to the public right now. When you have Senator Feinstein saying she wants to see this report, there cannot be a half step before it goes to the public. The key issue now is to put pressure on the American Psychological Association uh, to release the report to the public as soon as it is completed.
1: Your response to the, what the Kirk Hubbard said, the former CIA uh, psychologist, uh, who in a 2012 interview with the Constitution Project's Task Force on Detainee Treatment um, said. Um, That detainees are not patients, nor are they being treated by the psychologist. Therefore, the ethical guidelines for clinicians do not apply, in my opinion. Psychologists can play many different roles and should not be forced into a narrow
5: doctor-patient role. The Declaration of Helsinki, the Declaration of Tokyo, the Nuremberg Code, U.S. law, the Geneva Conventions are not based on whether someone's a patient. It's based on whether someone's a human being. And the fact of the matter is that those codes were mangled and in some cases written out of what the APA did. So the issue is not about doctor-patient relationship here. It is about war crimes. It's about crimes against humanity, which are not contingent on someone being your patient.
1: I want to thank you both for being with us, Nathaniel Raymond and Dr. Stephen Reisner, uh, co-authors of the new report, All the President's Psychologists. We will link to it at democracynow.org. This
4: is Democracy Now. We'll be back in a minute. Okay, so I
3: mean, this is, uh, you know, staggering. Okay, and you know, again, uh, and I think this goes to uh, the heart of how uh we as targeted people can can be put in a program uh a in a coercive psychological program. Okay. And uh and it's because, you know, you have uh you know an organization as the American Psychologist Association, Psychological Association, and you know, they're basically working with the government. Uh, you know, they to change the rules or change the laws, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of, uh, what constitute and what is torture and to make it so that it, it's legal to, uh, change the rules so that, you know, they can just ignore, uh, you know, the, I I guess, I guess the, the, you know, like I said, the, the Nuremberg, uh, law in terms of uh you know uh, torture being illegal, okay? And they can change that to however they see fit to allow um, you know, uh their uh psychologists to um and psychiatrists to basically torture people and and get away with it. I, I mean, you know. Look at what's, what's happening to us, you know, uh, where you have we're in this government program, uh, this psychological uh, uh, PSYOPS program, which uses coercive uh, manipulative tactics. And, uh, you know, it basically causes each and every one of us uh, some mental anguish, mental damage, as well as physical damage using right to energy weapons they basically you know do all sorts of illegal stuff you know to uh, us as as, as as target and um you know but uh, you know they 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 will always change the rules to suit their needs, they will always change the rules when things are not going their way so that it will go their way. They will always change the rules when you are succeeding, and they don't want you to succeed. They will always change the rules when you are winning, and they're losing, so they will win and you will lose. Uh, You know, as a target, uh, that is what's happening. They are undermining your mental state, their mental capacity every single day. Okay. They're undermining your career, they're undermining your life, your social life, uh, your family life, they're undermining your decision making. You know, uh you know, they're doing all these things. And uh, you know it's really, really ridiculous. Um, here's an article that I do want to read. Uh it's called um since we were talking about this earlier before I started the recording. And uh, this is a remote newer monitor how they spy on your thoughts. And this is from the website, uh, learningmind.com. Okay, so it says, uh, how many times did you have thoughts that you never wanted to share with anyone or have been constantly worried at the thought of someone ever finding out about these thoughts? All of us have been through this process, and the new and improved technology being developed around the world supposedly to deal with crime and terrorism inadvertently intrude on one's privacy should probably bring us all to the brink of paranoia. These technologies are funded by government at the highest level, and some of the countries involved are, includes the USA, the UK, Spain, Germany, and France. Recently, the infamous... National Security Agency, the NSA of the USA, has developed a very efficient method of controlling the human brain. This technology is called Remote dual Monitoring, or RNM, and is expected to revolutionize crime detection and investigation. Remote dual Monitoring work, works remotely. Ever wonder why have we all been driven relentlessly towards wireless systems? Control the brain under the objective to detect any criminal thoughts taking place inside the mind of a possible culprit. Inevitably, question, how can you isolate a criminal thought if you do not have to have a comparative measure of non-criminal thoughts? This undertaking is based on two principles. The research studies have shown that the humanoid intellect thinks at a speed of about 5 kilobits per second and therefore does not have the capability to contest with supercomputers supercomputers acting via styloid implants and biotelemetry. The human brain is a characteristic set of bioelectric resonance structure. By using supercomputers, the remote neural monitoring system can hone in on it and send messages through the embedded individual nervous system in order to affect their performance in a preferred way. The entire system has been developed after about 50 years of neuro-electromagnetic human experimentation. claimed claims to be involuntary, but, it, but there is no evidence to support this claim. According to many scientists involved in this program, the names are not revealed for obvious reasons. Within a few years, it is expected that DNA microchip under the guise of medical breakthrough, will have to be presented. Will be presented to launch the disease cure process of speed and efficiency. Will be implanted in the human cerebellum, which would make it inherently controllable. Remote monitoring will then have the ability to read and govern a person's emotional, mental procedure, along with involuntary and visions. At presence around the world, supercomputers are watching millions of people at the same time at the speed of 20 terabits per second, particularly like in countries like USA, Japan, Israel, and a number of European countries. A similar program is supposedly on the way in Russia. How does remote view monitoring work? It employs a set of programs functioning at different levels, like the signal intelligence system, which applies... Electromagnetic Frequency, or EMS, to excite the brain for the system and the, the electronic brain link. The brain stimulation system that has been planted as particle emission intelligence, which means receiving information from unintentionally created electromagnetic waves in the environment. However, it is not related to radioactivity or nuclear detonation. The recording machine, that have electronic equipment to examine electrical action in human beings from afar. This computer generated brain chart tra- tra- can't al- always record all electrical events in the cerebellum. They record an aid system, decipher individual brain maps for security purposes. The underlying technology of this system takes on the consideration that the electrical activity in the speed center of the brain can be translated. Into the subject's verbal thoughts. More, your monitoring can send a cryptic signal to the audio cortex of the brain directly circumventing the air. This encoding assists in detecting audio communication. It can also perform electrical mapping of the cerebellum activities from the visual center, which is achieved by avoiding the eyes and optic nerve, consequently, projecting images from the subject's mind onto a video display. With this visual and audio memory, or it can be visualized and analyzed. The machinery involved can, remotely and non-invasively detect information by digitally decoding the evoke potential in 30 to 50 hertz, 5 milliwatts electromagnetic emission from the cerebellum. Evoke potentials are called the spikes and patterns created by the nerve as they produce a shifting electrical pattern with an ever-changing magnetic instability, which then puts on a constant amount of electromagnetic wave, The interesting part about this is the entire exercise is carried out without any physical contact with the subject. The EMF emission can be decoded with the current thoughts and audiovisual perception in the subject's gumption. It sends complicated cipher and electromagnetic pulse signal to activate the vocal potential inside the mind consequently generating sound and visual input in the neural circuits. With a speech, auditory, and visual communication array, remote neural monitoring allows for a comprehensive audiovisual mind mind-to-mind connection or a mind-to-computer association. The mechanism needed to, decry- to decrypt the resonance frequency of each specific site to module the input to modulate the input of information in that specific location of the cerebellum. Furthermore, remote monitoring can detect audio via microwaves and feature the broadcast and precise directive into the subconscious, producing visual disorders, delusion, and installation of words and numbers into the brain through radiation waves. With all the given payback for, for tracing the unlawful and treacherous activities, there are many alarms and danger being pointed out by human rights advocates and scientists. The Agency of Human Rights Worldwide has criticized the system as an affront to the basic human rights because it violates privacy and the dignity of consideration of events of life. Several countries have opposed it and refer to it as an offense to the human rights and civil rights along with other excuse me <laughs> biological concerns voiced by scientists remote neural monitoring remains a con- controversial technology which is being used in many countries for security maintenance and surveillance so, <laughs> I always like to read on uh, this subject because I am a victim of uh, remote monitoring and uh you know, I definitely uh, know what I experienced. And I actually have it on video, too, uh, you know, in terms of uh, I was walking, you know, it, it talks about using the numbers and they like to use the number 32 in my target. And so I was walking by a, a car uh, today, I'm, I'm already pick up my son, and the car had the number 32 in the license plate. Uh, and so I, I was saying, you know, I had a, a spy glasses with a camera that I record uh, to to record the harassment and to try and explain it, you know, when I edit it. So as I walked past, walked towards the car, I, you know, I was walked up, I'm walking on the sidewalk, and I'm approaching the car, and I said, you know, there you go again, number 32 to the license plate. And as soon as I said that, okay, police siren went off. And it's a good thing that, uh, you know, the glasses have a pretty good mic because it picks up. It picked up the sirens as I said that. They picked it up loud and clear. Okay, and um, you know, and I was watching the video over, and I said, yeah, "Okay, it picked it up." So you know, it goes to show for that. And I said, "You know, it's because of the remote, remote monitoring." So obviously, they heard when I say the number. And so their sirens went off. And basically what it is that they're trying to do, and again, this is comes down to uh, neurolinguistic programming, is they basically try to create an attachment with the number to uh, the police, right? And so, um, you know, so whenever they use that number, you know, I will hear sirens. So it's basically, again, it's conditioning me to the number 32, which is the trigger, okay? And then the anchor is the attachment, right, which is the police siren. So basically every time I see that number, it's supposed to, I'm supposed to associate it with the police, okay? And so again, and that is how neuro-linguistic programming works, okay, and it's repeated, right? So whenever things have been done in a repetitious manner, uh, that's a condition of faith, okay? And so um, I don't associate it with them. I, I, I associate it with how many with the three hundred and twenty something million dollars I'm gonna sue their ass with for, actually, I should say. Uh so whenever I see that number I think if it is three hundred if it's at the end I think if it is three hundred and twenty million dollars I'm gonna sue these people for. Okay? And so I think of it as in, in in that terms. But they're they're trying pretty hard. They're trying pretty hard to that association, uh, you know, instilled in my, uh, in my mind. But um, they're too late for that one. Okay, so uh, I'm going to uh, unmute the call and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about my talking and uh, during the past week. Yeah, it has been... Very very heavy
4: targeting. Very very
3: um... okay. Whoever is have their TV on the radio, I'm seeing people like right that Okay. Uh, so, but, you know, and I figure that is not just happening to me. Because I figured whenever there is a, 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 a an uptake in the targeting, it's probably you know, uh, you know, probably most targets are being attacked the same way. Also. Um because you know, they, they coordinate stuff. You know, it's uh you know, so whether you're living in another state or what have you, uh, you know, those those times if I, if if during the week that I'm being heavily targeted, I know there are other chairs that be heavily targeted also. Uh because again, you know, some of the technology that they use is, is, is microwave, microwave signals, right? Which uh is operating on the brain wave frequency. So they're broadcast on their wide spectrum, okay? And, and so if you're, if you're a target, uh, it doesn't matter where you, where you are or multiple targets, you know, they're going to attack you with the same uh, ferocity, right? And so, you know, I've, just from my experience, you know, they do it from time to time. And I guess whenever they feel they have the opportunity, when the opportunity arises, so which they can target you in such a ferocious manner, then they'll, they'll do it, right? So, you know, I like to call them the hit and run, okay? So they'll, they'll, you know, they're like driving a fast car, boom, they hit you, and then, you know, they run away, right? They don't stick. And so that's what these people do. So, you know, they'll hit you with a blitz every now and then, you know, to see how you react, see how you react reacted or have you. And uh, with me, you know, I just, like I said, I'm so glad I bought that, that spy glasses because, you know whenever you know they make it very blatant, I just tap on the side of the glasses so that they can see you know and, um, and that's what i do I tap on the side of the glasses so they can because they know listen they 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 know they they know the moment that I ordered that glasses they know whatever you talk, because some of the person they don't even when they see me they turn they you know they you'll you see that they they you know they turn away they turn away or you know they'll um move out of the way as I'm as approaching because they don't want to be caught on camera. Some of them will, like, they bow their head and look down or turn their head as they're walking towards me so that, you know, they won't be recognized. Yeah, you know, but, hey, that's, that's the way they are, you know. I mean, uh, these people are, are sick, 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 sick. And, you know, like I said, I mean, they, you know, I mean, you, they use the police a lot, so even tonight, uh, you know, I was um, looking for a towel for my daughter uh, to give her a bath, and um, I put my hands on a blue towel because you know the car today was a blue car. So I put my hand on the blue towel, and as soon as I did that, they hit me with the police sirens, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it is a very short burst siren, okay? And again, how you know it's because of the remote we monitoring. Like I can explain, right? So they see what you see okay, they hear what you hear, okay, whatever it is that you're thinking, they know, because it's being uh, deciphered in real time, and they have access to that. So whether they're reading your thoughts on a computer screen, you know, they can react immediately, or whether they, you know, they can see uh, what you're seeing, and few people think, you know, some people may say, okay, you know, that's just, that, you know, that don't exist, right? It don't exist. That's what they say, right? But you'll be surprised. You, you will be surprised, okay, of what uh, exists when uh, it comes to technology and uh, what the U.S. government has.
4: Um,
3: you know, they have the, uh, what do you call the, the the pain ray machine or the debt ray machine. Uh, machine in which they um can uh, blast you with a particular type of uh what ray was it look at the a, trying to remember uh what was the name of the uh it's not gamma ray but it's uh i think it's called the active
4: denial system let's see. like find it. Ah, here it is. It's the active denial
3: system, right? Which is what they call a non lethal uh weapon. And um this weapon is uh supposed to uh second it's, like it's what they call it. it's like a heat ray they use for prop crowd control. This so the weapon is also called a heat ray it works by heating the surface of the target such as the skin of targeted human subjects right so it says Raytheon is currently marketing a reduced range version of this technology the ADS was deployed in 2010 with the United States military in the Afghan war all right so but then they said it was withdrawn without seeing contact Uh, you know, but they, listen, they've, they've used this before. They've used this before. Uh, I remember when they first invaded, the United States first invaded Iraq, and a lot of the Iraqi doctors were seeing, uh, you know, patients that were burnt, okay? But, it, you know, they weren't burnt from, you know, an explosion or anything like that. They couldn't explain, uh, because some of the, you know, like some people who have some people have actually like lost limbs, and uh, you know they were when they came in they were cauterized. So you know it was like they were using lasers. You know, so they were posting all these pictures saying, "Does anybody ever seen anything like this?" Uh, so you know, they war is a good uh, thing in terms of testing for weapons. I mean, they've done it all the time. They've done in Vietnam with Agent Orange. They tested, you know, uh, Agent Orange and um, then they deny uh the the soldiers that came back and said, "Listen man, you guys you know uh spread this thing and you use us as test subjects and now we're we're ill and we're sick right and then they denied it for a while a long time until they finally admit it okay so this this united states all government has always done uh you know these type of experiments on human beings, and um you know we're we're no different you know um uh, but you know that's why we have to uh, speak up. Okay, uh, you know we can't wait. you can't let this happen to the next generation, right? even the, even the generation, you know, after the next generation. It, it has to stop. So, yeah, you, know, you know, we all have to do our best to basically, uh, you know, just spread the word of what what is really happening, what's really going on. And regardless of listen, you know, so regardless of however they they try to make me sound. It, it, it's fine, you know. But I know there are some people out there that are listening, so you know they can do whatever they want. They can try to discredit me or have you. And that that's fine. They can label me. That that's fine. Fuck it. Okay. You know. So. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, I am a guest asked, have they ever put you in a trans life state? That seems to be happening to me a lot lately. They also repetitive, throw, repeatedly throw negative events of that have happened in the past in my face also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, listen, listen. You know, the, the first question... Um, okay, yes. They have basically... Um, and you know, I can't explain what happened, but, well, yeah, I can explain what happened, but I just don't, uh, you know, I, I understand what happened now. I, I don't understand what happened at all. You know, they basically uh, put me in a trance, okay, stole my phone, right, right from right from my lap, okay, my phone was, like, in between my lap, and they stole my phone, okay, and I was in the car, those was locked. All right, on my on my on my laptop. Okay. And you know, I was looking at my laptop and then I looked up. There was a guy on the bike who was standing in front of the car. And um you know, when I look back I look back down at my computer, at my laptop, okay, and I look back up again, that was gone and my phone was gone. Alright? And um, they knew what they did. And they, and they knew, and the cops knew what, what they did to do. When I, when I left and I was uh, walking to the train station, they basically, you know, the look on their face and said to me that, yeah, they, they knew exactly what they did to me. And, um, you know, and then, you know, listen, the pass, you know, let them throw whatever they want to throw. The pass is the pass. You know, you got to move on. You know the past is the past, and they can throw whatever the hell they 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 want to throw you know and um and I should ask them like i i i basically you know i mean they don't really i, I don't I don't think about the past that much because when I think about the past, I realize that a lot of people that that came into my life uh in the past were probably agents, you know. Uh, people who were who were involved in this uh sort of um program you know and so uh, you know I, I try not to think about you know the past you know
2: and um
3: you know I, listen, i haven't you know we've all made we've all made mistakes we've all made mistakes we've all um, you know have uh have been put in situations or some of us may even have created situations that, you know, that may not have been the most ideal thing. But, you know,
0: look, it, ha- it
3: happens. We're human beings, right? We're human beings. We all make mistakes. And, um, you know, but, you know, uh, it's, you know, I just don't, don't let them uh, affect you. Yeah, yeah. You know, once you and see, once you like I said, once I start to realize that, I stopped thinking about those people. You know, I stop thinking about them, and know, I just leave it as it. Okay. And so, uh, you know, you gotta. That's that, that's what I do. I right? just I'm like well, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. if they're if they they're so uh, you know. Obsessed with my past, and <laughs> you know, I don't know what 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 to say. I
4: really don't know what else to say. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, um, I am
3: going to go now. Uh, I'm going to end the call.
4: And. Um, I will see you guys, uh, yeah,
3: um, you know, I guess, you know, listen, that's what they, you know, they, they, they want to constantly torture you about the stuff that they've done to you, you know, and so, you know, don't even, you know, I'm sure you, you will, uh, you know, uh, meet someone, you know, uh, and you know, hopefully that person uh, will uh, believe and, and support and understand what it is that you're going through. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Even, even myself, it's, you know, I can tell you that it's hard. But you know, you never give up hope. And um, you know, you're an intelligent uh, person. And um, you know, the, yeah, you know, we all, most of us. Targets so all blacklisted, you know, and uh, but you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a shame that people are just there to just undermine your life, to just destroy your life, and they say for what? For what?
4: Because you decided to speak out, you know, because you decided to to, to to to
3: speak out about what it is that they they're doing to you. I mean, I mean come on. You know, like, they want to punish you. I mean, really? Like, seriously? Like, you're going to experiment on me. You're going to run the the psychological operation on me. Uh, You know, you're going to, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, undermine my mental state. Okay? You try to undermine my, you know, you've undermined my relationships, uh, my job. You know, it's like, and, and... and what, I'm supposed to just, you know, roll over? I'm supposed to turn the other cheek? Man, forget these people. You know, like I said, I, I, I don't, you know what, I don't even, I don't, when I, you know, when I'm, when I'm out there outside or have you, I try to record as much as I can, and I try to show people exactly what it is that they do in terms of the psychological uh, harassment you know, to the best that I can, okay? And, um, you know, the one thing I know that they are afraid of is exposure, right? They're afraid of exposure. You know, and and so, you know, I expose them. You know, at least I try to expose them to the best that I, that I can. And, you know, and, and they're going to try to make me look like, oh, okay, you know, I don't, he, he's this guy who's crazy or whatever, this and such. But, you know, I... I'm telling you, you know, eventually they're gonna do this on such a wide scale, and they're gonna do this to enough people to where, um, you know, they can't. You know, it's like, you know, the the the, the, the population is gonna get bigger, the people who they're doing this to, and so that they can no longer uh, deny, okay, what it is that they've done, right? and and so you know I just you just you you have to uh you know not let them get you to that point where you know they're if you're if you feel like they're sending you a subliminal message about your past or what have you um you know you, you just like I said you just don't think about it you know just just think of the people in your past of agents who have been uh paid to come into your life right, and to cause you some sort of pain and anguish, and, you know, uh, so, you know, let me think about those people, I don't, I sure as hell don't, all right, well, I'm going to say good night, folks, and um, I'll see you guys again next Tuesday, I
4: gotta get to bed.